Well, it's a delight, isn't it, to be together. What a great atmosphere to be in the presence of the Lord, to know his faithfulness through the years. And uh, before I get into my talk, I want to recommend this little book that I've compiled. It's called Accolade, and it's on the life and ministry of John Phillips. And I've been working on this behind the scenes for some time, and I've got a number of contributors to this book. It's not a big book. It's, uh, it's just the story of the life and ministry of uh, John Phillips, and I don't think he's been adequately recognized for all that he's done in terms of ministry across the world. A big part of his life was into Brazil, and those stories haven't always been shared. There's also some great pictures in there. Uh, £7.99, all of the proceeds of this, nobody will be getting any royalties. It'll all be going back into ground level and to mission and to making sure we've got a healthy network of churches. But I recommend that to you. Can I say, I'm sure a lot of the older members will want to get a copy because they knew John, but can I recommend that some of the younger ones get hold of that so you'll have a bit of a taster of the history uh, of our church and there's some remarkable stories that will earth you into genuine church history in the UK with regard to the Pentecostal movement, the charismatic movement. Some of you uh, need perhaps to get a bit of an understanding of, of those terms and what that meant uh, to uh, a shifting landscape of church life in the UK. And, you know, when we, rec we recognize God's grace and his goodness through the years to bring us to such a time as this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our time. This is our time. We're perhaps in a week of, of the most crucial things with regard to our nation, perhaps for 30, 50 years. Who knows exactly what's going to happen? Do you, when you watch the news, think, what more could happen? What's going to happen? Where are we going to go? But the beauty is when your confidence is above the mountains, when your confidence is above the political people, and when your confidence is in the sovereign God, you know ultimately all will be well. And I believe it's time for Christian thinking and Christian influence and Christian leadership to kind of push forward at this crucial time in the history of our nation. So I recommend we pray a lot this week and believe that God is going to do great things. We usually set aside for Rise and Build two Sundays. The reason we do that is there are two parts to our program at this time in the year. We just do this once every year. Next year, uh, next week, we will be taking an offering uh, towards all the things that Paul tried to express in just a few words today. Please take the brochure, read through the things that we're engaged in. I believe that investment annually into our vision is something that's a great thing to do and also we are accomplishing great things. And of course, the more that we give, the more that we can do. So we take two weeks because we're looking at two thoughts, rise and build. Rise and build, those, that little phrase is taken from the book of Nehemiah. It is actually my favorite Old Testament book. And in Nehemiah, you find these two things, rise, which is to do with embracing a vision, and build, which is to do with doing it or accomplishing it. In terms of Nehemiah, they rebuilt a whole city. 
They, they actually brought spiritual life back to a city that had been uh, almost desolate. The walls of Jerusalem were broken down. Its gates had been destroyed by fire. And then one day, Nehemiah, who's miles away, he's uh, in a, a foreign land. He gets a call from God to do something about it. Aren't you grateful there are people in our congregation today that get little calls from God to do something about situations, to change things, to see God's kingdom come? And so it was Nehemiah's task to empower the people and to mobilize the people and say, look, we can do something about this situation. Let's rise and the Bible says that the people were willing at that point in time. They were willing to give. They were willing to get involved. They were willing to, um, to put some heavy-duty work in. They were willing to commit their lives to it. And the Bible says that within 52 days, the entire walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt. What a remarkable story. But, you know, it's one thing to say, rise, because lots of us will respond to vision, won't we? We'll hear about a particular news item. We'll perhaps be, you know, watching programs like we have this week about the needs of children and we respond to that and we, we get involved with a vision in terms of that's a good thing to do. Those are great things that we ought to be involved in. But the reason we have week two is it's one thing, isn't it, to rise to respond to a vision, it's another thing to build, to do something practical on the ground. And I believe that's why we do this rise, which is to do with vision, momentum, mobilizing people, and build, which is to do with the practical working out of, of all that God has called us to do here in Lincoln. But you know, I believe that vision without delivery causes huge frustration. If we're always talking the big stuff, if we're always talking about what God wants to do in the earth, but we are never engaging in the work of God, then often people get frustrated. And sometimes when we cast vision, and I found the tension of this through many years, the bigger the vision that you create, potentially if people don't actually see it or get involved, it can bring frustration. And I'm here to say that as leaders uh, in the church here, I think we're thrilled that at this time it just feels that the atmosphere is good, feels that we're smelling some fresh things from God, just feels like there's an ease or a peace. And I'm not just saying this because actually that's the flavor I'm getting from other church leaders, not only in this city, but further afield as well. You know, I think that, um, I, I feel inspired at this time that, that we're in a good building season. Uh, last week, I had the privilege of going to Westminster and meeting with 20 national leaders, leaders of denominations, leaders of um, groups that would think differently from ourselves. I sat next to a, a bishop who was working in a particular dimension that in many ways I, I don't have anything to do with at all, and I was honored to be there. But uh, out of those 20, we went round the room and the question was being asked, you know, what do you feel the state of the UK is? You know, the church, what's happening? 
I've been in meetings like that before. They can become very negative. They can become, you know, very, um, we're under the judgment of God kind of characteristics. But but I believe that uh, as we went round the circle, it was just so refreshing. Now, there were people that maybe have different theological positions on, on things, and they do things very differently. But out of that small representation, one after another said two things that they'd never lived in such a healthy time in terms of unity of the church. And you know, I I would say that. I've been around quite a while. I've been in a lot of unity meetings through the years. And I think we're in a good season. Doesn't mean we're all going to agree with one another, but there's courtesy, there's kindness, there's smiles across rooms. And I found it really refreshing to hear that. The second thing which uh, I, I felt really good about was that they were all also talking about unprecedented, unprecedented, I can't, can't speak this morning, unprecedented numbers of people coming to faith. And you know, we can look at our own little bubble of what we do and we can say, yeah, it is true, we're getting more into alpha, we're getting people come to faith most weeks in ones and twos. But when you put the picture together across our nation, something significant is happening. I'm blessed by that. I believe it's a time, a season of vision. There are some tremendous churches that are emerging. Lots of church planting is taking place. Church planting in the Anglican scene, church planting. I met a, a, a lady, a theologian yesterday involved in church planting within the Methodist church and I'm thankful to God that, that, that this atmosphere of life and people come into faith. I want to be a part of that and we want to take our part, don't we, within the framework of what God is doing in his nation. So in a few moments I want to just inspire us to rise, to rise. This is our time Uh, We need a vision that captivates us. We need something beyond the norm. I don't want to be part of a church that's just kind of ticking over. I don't want to be always looking back into church history for the big, big things, the revival moments. I want us to be looking forward to a great day, a season where the church becomes more and more influential. And I want us to capture again something of the vision of our church. At the back, there are two boards. One has the vision, the other has the values, and keep reading those things. I believe we've got a big vision. But that vision has to fit with many other visions across our nation if we're really going to make a difference. But the heart of our vision and why we do what we do, I believe, is found in the passage of Scripture I want to bring to you this morning. Why do we do what we do? Why do we paint walls? Why do we uh, you know, make sure that buildings are in a good place? Why are we talking about planting into Gainsborough? Why would we do this stuff? What's it all about? I think we've got to think a little higher than just paint and bricks. We've, we've got to recognize that all of that undergirds and supports something wonderful that God has called the church to. And I don't think I could go to any better passage to inspire us this morning than the last words that Jesus spoke before he went to be with the Father. This is our manifesto. This, this is the, known as the Great Commission when, when Jesus gets his disciples together. 
He's defeated the powers of sin and death. He's risen from the dead. And now he begins to instruct his disciples. And he tells them, now it's your season. Now it's your time to go. And you're going to be world changers. You're going to change the world. You're going to change the earth. Things are going to happen through you 12 guys. And you're going to pass on this message. If you'd been a disciple that day and you'd listened to Jesus, I wonder what you'd have thought. What could I do? to bring this wonderful message we've lived with for three years to the whole of the world. What could we possibly do? We're just little fishermen. How could we possibly get the message out across the world? But something inspired that group that day. But you do need to know in the passage that I'm going to read, it says, but some didn't believe. Isn't it strange? There's Jesus risen from the dead, here's the commission, this is where you're going, this is what we're going to do, and some were struggling with their faith. And you know, there will be these seasons of struggle, won't there? We're all together today to hear this good news message. I want to inspire you, not by my words, but by the word of God. I want to inspire you today. I want to be inspired by Jesus' last words that actually transform thinking. They go be, be of, above just our way of thinking. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His way is higher than our ways. So let me read the words of Jesus, and I'll just set it in into into position, uh, reading from verse 16, but I believe we'll, we'll see the words of Jesus hopefully on the screen. I've got my red letter um, edition, which means I'm actually going to read you Jesus' actual words, okay? Jesus' actual words. There's an authority, isn't there? It, I'm not going to be talking about just something I've got a message for today. I'm going to be giving you the words of Jesus, the Son of God, to inspire us to action. And I want us to rise in our hearts today, but I also want us to do something about it next week. While I'm just talking about being inspired, last week we had an Acts AGM meeting in here. AGMs, if you've been to AGM meetings, they are not the most exciting things in the world. You bring out the finances, have a few stories, everybody yawns slightly, and then hits for the door. This was very, very different. I was so proud of our ACTS workers and volunteers and staff members. We put together a program this week that was so good. You know, the, the presentation was documented with professional ability. Everything was done. Even videos came on screens. It was a remarkable time. And, you know, it wasn't just those of us that were gathered that thought it was good. We had politicians that commended it. We had, you know, funders that said this work is great. And I also want to big up Acts a little bit this morning. Uh, Simon Joy and others, uh, they hit BBC News in the week. You can Google it. Acts 
Lincoln is being spoken about on national news in the BBC this week. Ladies and gentlemen, the visions we're standing for are making a difference in our world, and we ought to believe it. So often as Christians, we say, well, we're doing our little bit. There's not a lot that we can do. Don't you believe it? Small things can shift. I had this thought this morning of, of tipping points. You know, when there's tension, and I feel this in the nation at the moment, there's this tension, isn't there? Where's this thing going to land? It only needs a small weight on another side of the seesaw to push it over. We need some tipping point moments for the church of Jesus. So, here's our message. The Great Commission. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Here it is, but some doubted. Please don't be a doubter. Please don't miss the moment that we're in. They worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, and here's the red letters. This is Jesus' words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the vision that every church should be living with. Jesus lived a sinless life, did everything necessary, said at the end of what he did, it is finished. And then he commissioned his disciples to share the good news wherever they went. Just three things from our talk this morning. And the first thing is found in verse 18. I believe we have here sovereign power. Sovereign power. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Not some authority. Not authority within religious frameworks. All authority. All authority in heaven. All authority on earth. All authority into every nation on earth. All authority into the political arenas of the earth. All authority over kings and presidents. All authority has been given to him. All authority over sickness. All authority over pain. All authority over fear. All authority over debt. All authority has been given to Jesus. He is the sovereign Lord. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. I know you know it. All authority all authority, authority over the hardest things, authority over the dictatorships of the earth, authority, all authority. We are here not messing around with little plans and programs. We're under the authority of Jesus and we're out to make a difference because he's commissioned us. I thought you'd be a bit more inspired than that, but perhaps it will grow. Perhaps we can wind it up slightly as we move forward. But sovereign power, listen, he is the omnipotent, the all-powerful God. His power is at work in us 
and through us. Sometimes we think it's all about us. It's all about him. It's under his authority. Any little thing that we can do is because of his big authority that allows us to do it. All authority. You can go through the New Testament verse after verse that underlines that. Ephesians 1 verse 20 says this. He raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that has been given. There's a name that's higher than any other name. His name is Jesus. There is not a higher name that can be named. In the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you believe that? Do you really, really, really believe that? Is this a, a, a life to live for? Do we really believe all authority is given to him? Colossians 1 verse 16. For by him, that's Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. This is a message that needs to be ringing round your mind at three o'clock in the morning when you're grappling with sleep issues, when you're wondering about your future, when you're getting nervous about about what's going to take place. For some who've lost a job, lost a loved one, these are the words that need to be ringing in our hearts that actually all authority has been given to him. Sovereign power. Sovereign power. The second thing from these verses is global perspective. Global perspective. I believe here it says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. And then it says, uh, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. Big global perspective. I'm sure that sometimes in our congregations people say, well, they're bigging it up again. They're bigging it up. I can't big this stuff up anymore. Our, our vision has to be global. Now, I know that we're working in spheres. Global. We're going into Gainsborough because we believe in the global. Every area that we're responsible for must hear the good news of Jesus. We've got to have a global perspective. I believe we've got to rise up for a huge vision. We've one life to live. This is our time. It should be a huge vision, expansive, gloriously outrageous. What's your vision for life? What's our vision for our children, for our grandchildren? You know, we get into this British mindset, don't we? I can't do a lot. The times I face that, and then sometimes the Holy Spirit comes, you get up in the morning and you say, watch out world, I'm getting out of bed this morning. We're going to see some stuff shift. We're going to see some things change. I think it's wonderful. And isn't it great to be a part of a community of people that are buzzing with this stuff? You know, well, you, you might be thinking, yeah, okay, but I've got to teach some kids on Monday. You know, I've got to, I've got to just get food on the table this week. What's all this about? Well, I believe in the smallness of what we represent. Sometimes it feels, you know, what could we do? But when you combine things, when you join hands, 
When you do stuff together, when you get involved, imagine this message that's coming from Nehemiah. We're going to rebuild some walls. Imagine if you're a, a, just your average person in Jerusalem that day. How are we going to do this? Well, you do it by responding to vision, working together, cooperating, getting a big vision, and seeing the kingdom of God come. All authority to all nations. Reach everyone we possibly can with the gospel. Let's dream big. Let's think big. Let's pray big. And next week, let's give big. Let's go beyond what we've done before. Beyond what we've ever done before. I know you expect us to say this once a year, but let's go beyond where we've ever been before. What can the Jesus of verse 18 do in and through us? All authority into all the nations. And then the third thing, love that is personal. Love that is personal. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every vision has to not only be a big thing, but it has to earth in your life and in my life. I love this baptism picture because, you know, you can, you, you've got to be baptized as an individual. You've got to be put under the water as a real individual person. Now, in certain parts of the world, they do it, do it en masse a bit. In fact, in the John Phillips book, there's a photograph in there of 4,000 people being baptized on the same day. But it's 4,000 baptisms of individuals. And I'm asking you, what's your vision? I'm asking, are you buzzing with this stuff? I'm saying, what's your contribution to the year ahead? Where are we going to take this ship? The generation that's coming through, are you going to get hold of this stuff? Are you going to go beyond our forefathers? Are we going to honor those that have gone before and say, there's more to do, there's more territory to take, there's more people that need to populate heaven? Are we going to see revival in our day? It's not going to come through bigging it up and rhetoric. It's going to come by a work of the Holy Spirit. But actually, as the word is proclaimed, so inspiration and vision can come and can grip us so that you begin to say, I can make a difference. I can do something. My contribution really matters. We baptize people one at a time. Every individual matters. I don't believe that we're going to get to heaven one day and say, all of alive, this is your entrance. You've got to go there on your own. You've got to face up to the implications of God's work over your life. And I am not going to be treated. There isn't a senior pastor's door where, well, they're okay because they, you know, they've done it right, said it right. No, every one of us have got to stand before God and I want to go with some stuff in my hands. I, I want to go with a sense of achievement because actually I believe that we are training now for reigning later. So let's do it now and you'll get some stuff later. We can't get into that too much, though John Phillips had a lot of theology on that. So reaching our world one person at a time, faithful in the small, giving this year will be expressed through every individual who embraces the vision. That's how we're going to do it. It's not, I believe, through the big check that we could do with some. But it's through every individual buying in and saying, I will make my small contribution. And so I close my little challenge with a question. Could we, 
next week, reach our vision if you, if everyone is like you. <laughs> it's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Are you going to give? Are you going to say it's a great vision, but someone else will do it? Are you going to say, I believe all that stuff, but I'm not into these offerings? I'll tell you what, every vision needs provision. and We want to see the kingdom come. We want to send these people out into Gainsborough, not with some second-rate ministry and a few things to help them and give them a tan, you know, a little, what do you call them? Uh, what do you call them? Megaphone? Uh, yeah, that'll do. Megaphone. No, let's have some decent PA. Let's have some good stuff. Let's do it well. Let's do it well. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's what I want to say. It's time to rise. It's time to rise. Will you rise? Will you rise up for the sake of this church and its destiny? It is to do with fabric and buildings and stuff, but the big stuff is the gospel presented to the whole earth. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person today. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you you've given us a big vision. And I kind of feel it should be bigger. I thank you for ministries that have sprung from here, ministries that go out from here. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for the creativity. I thank you for acts programs. I thank you for workers into the community. I thank you for people in all kinds of spheres of work that are just living the Christian life faithfully. And I bless you that you've given us a place. You've set boundaries around us. You've given us a wonderful location where to live. You've blessed us in so many wonderful ways. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, will you inspire us? Will you fill us with a, a sense of purpose, direction? Lord, I'd love to see a church of 5,000. I'd love to see a church with many more locations planted. I want to see your kingdom come and your will being done on the earth. I want to see Lincoln transformed, reshaped. A quality, world-class city that people want to come to. A place that's safe to walk at night. I want to see us be the most vibrant people sharing the good news of Jesus. I want a people with lots of smiles, lots of encouragement. People who lift burdens people who go the extra mile, people who do the Jesus thing, the Jesus way. And so, Lord, I just pray you would challenge, challenge our hearts so that we might not just rise in terms of, yes, I believe it, but help us next week to genuinely contribute, invest, believe, and build in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'd like us just to pray one final prayer. We pray this in all of our services, and if it could come on the screen. This is your opportunity if you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Perhaps you've been inspired a bit today. Jesus wants to know you. It's a personal relationship. It's not a religion to join. It's a relationship to have. So will you join me? We're going to pray out loud. And if you're not yet a Christian or a follower of Jesus, or you're not yet, you're not yet in the full flow of what I'm talking about, will you pray this prayer? And then we will finish our meeting. Let's pray it together, shall we? Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. 
thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Is there anyone this morning you're saying, I'm eager to find the truth on this. I want to receive Jesus. I want to know my sins are forgiven. I want to take my individual responsibility and I, I want to receive this gift, this free gift offered, though I don't deserve it. If that's you and it's in your heart today to do this, just raise your hand very quickly and we'll get a booklet to you so that you can just receive some help, get a booklet. You can chat to someone, pray to someone, with someone if that is helpful to you. Anyone at all? Something in your heart that says, this is it. This is where I need to put my focus now. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. Well, we're around to chat, to think and pray and so on with you if we can help you um, on your journey. Please come prepared next week. Buy this wonderful John Phillips book before you go. Buy that. Take the brochure, think it through, pray it through, read the words. I know when you get lots of brochures, you just flip through it. Let it sink in what we can achieve as a people together in the year ahead. Over to you, John.